You're listening to Accounted For, the Canadian podcast that explores the intangibles of every career. I'm your host, Daniel Lee. Hey everyone, welcome back to Accounted For. Happy Wednesday. This is a podcast that is a part of OMD Ventures. It's an ecosystem I created to be the place where people can be inspired to be unconventional in their careers as well as just in all aspects of life. And I'm doing this thing where I'd like to get closer with my community. And so if you want to ask questions, please reach out in the contact page and I'll try to kind of amass questions and have an AMA episode. So that would be really cool to do. So help contribute to that. And you can find how to, the instructions at omdventures.com slash contact as well as support the community or be part of it by subscri- subscribing to the newsletter where I share the weekly learnings, the essays, and the podcast episodes of the week. That's all publicly available. And I think the only ex- mainly exclusive thing will be that I actually started writing commentary on the week-by-week progression and or just what I've gone through in the journey of building this platform as well as this in my own career journey in general. So if you'd like to, I don't know, follow along, then <laughs> the newsletter is the place to do it. But yeah, now today's featured guest, well, it's an anonymous podcast, another anonymous series. If you're not familiar with this type of podcast, it's slightly different. I, I still interview someone, but we keep their identity anonymous. And the point of it is to allow them to be more honest about what they do as well as the industry they might be in and sometimes for some people when they want to share their journey they want to remain anonymous because you know for privacy reasons it's not really that easy to tell your story publicly especially when you're just recording this kind of live interview and the way i record them they tend to just be unedited so a lot of the guests who are showing their identities have a lot of courage and bravery in doing so and i'm not taking it away from the people who want to remain anonymous but i'm just giving people choices and so this is anonymous series where i dig into my guest's journey of leaving the world of accounting and tax very similar to mine to pursue the world of product of product ux ui design at a startup for those unfamiliar with product design in terms of what they do and maybe just the career field in general I would recommend listening to episode 20 with Jason Lee, who now runs a product design agency called Tumyum. And he's actually a school alumni who uh, was in the career in the field of accounting as well. But he made a very quick early transition into product design. So we talk a lot about that in our episode in episode 20. But in this conversation, we talk about my guest experience leaving the coveted professional service world of accounting and tax, where the guest was actually in a position of a manager title where it's not, I think, as easy for people to leave when they have committed that that many years into a certain field and you are at a certain kind of title level where sometimes it's easier to leave when you're just a junior. But as you become a manager, people feel like they are stuck and roped into that specialized career field. So we talk about that process. We talk about the decision-making process behind making the jump and what it was like taking a jump into the unknown where the guests didn't have any prior background, where the guests didn't come from a creative field in high school or any of that. The guests didn't really have, I would say, big creative endeavors that brought the person to always know about UX design. This just happened as 
the secular change in the market happened. And so this is a very fascinating, I think, interview where we go through a journey where someone just learns something and holds on to it and makes a change based on the facts that are currently present. And yeah, we talk deeper into the guest's honest experience with boot camps, what the pros and cons or expectations going in, realizations coming out, the design job market in Toronto and kind of more Canada specifically, and just much more. This was a really fun conversation and I really hope you get inspired and get something out of it. Hey everyone, welcome back to Accounted For. Today is another anonymous podcast episode and today we're going to be exploring the world of boot camps as well as transitioning into the world of startups, specifically the world of design in the UX UI field when you come from a business background, specifically this time it'll be accounting and tax. So today I have with me, as you know, I like to keep keep it anonymous, so we'll go with the continuous gender neutral Korean name, Min. Hi Min, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Alrighty. Big fan. <laughs> Appreciate it. And so, as I kind of alluded to in the intro, we're going to be talking about kind of your, your journey from going from the world of accounting, tax, and into the world of startups and design. From your experience around your peer groups and stuff, do you, have you seen a lot of the transition or do you see a lot of interest from your friends or co- colleagues, for example? Because I, I feel like from my surrounding group that it's a quite popular transition. Like So transitioning from... From the world uh, of like uh, business uh, into design. Yeah, I think it's happening more and more, especially when um, as boot camps grow m- more popular and there's more popping up in, in Toronto. Um, I see a lot of people who, when they're considering a career transition considering boot camps because it's it's a very short amount of time investment um to basically obtain another skill under their belt so that they can have a quicker career transition um if they were to go to do another let's say university program that would take like a year or two which are generally the shorter ones um so i think the boot camps they whether you do a part-time boot camp or a full-time boot camp it's a pretty good alternative um if you want to speed up the process of jumping from one career to another Hmm. yeah i think in, in our podcast in the past, we've had a previous guest. Uh, his name was Jason Lee, and he's currently running his own design agency. And so he was a uh, alumni from my accounting school, and he transitioned into a career in design. And he had always been very passionate in design earlier on. He said in high school he was designing logos and stuff. And so he continuously taught himself to move into the field. For you, was that an option? Could you have... Have you considered teaching yourself design and just doing it that way instead of doing a boot camp? Because I think some people, like boot camps, I think cost between 10000 to like fifteen twenty thousand dollars $20,000 for the three months or so. Yeah, so actually at the beginning of this entire process, when I was trying to decide 
um, how to transition into UX design from business. Um, so boot camps, one of the things that really held me back about a boot camp was the significant cost behind it. Um, for me, I wanted to focus on doing a full-time boot camp rather than a part-time boot camp. The part-time boot camps are generally around like $3,000 or something like that. Whereas full-time, um, actually the prices have even gone up since I've done it, but, um, they can range from 10 to like 14, $15,000. And these boot camps are, they're really condensed and they're generally for 10 or 12 weeks. So, it, it is a significant investment. Um, and so I was considering trying to teach myself, um, because there are a lot of resources online that it, I, it was a viable option for me, but I think because I came from such a different field and for me, I've, my particular case I've never really explored the world of design I wasn't very um I didn't really you know delve into arts or sketching or or anything that was particularly creative so it was a space that was something I was really interested in but something that was pretty foreign to me and so I felt like the amount of time I needed to, to spend um, teaching myself all these different skills, um, would be, I don't know, there wasn't really, uh, an end date, obviously. So I just felt like it would take a significant amount of time. And, um, also the amount of resources that are out there on the internet is very overwhelming. And if, because I was still so new to it and I wasn't sure what was reliable because basically anyone can, uh, publish a medium blog post and I would never really know whether or not the contents within it are reliable. Is it good content or not? I don't know. So I wanted kind, kind of, uh, a, kind of like an intro, um, foundation, um, to, to kind of guide me so that at least I have the basic skills. And then once I obtain the basic skills from the bootcamp, um, then I could continuously learn and develop my skills. Um, so yeah, that being said, self-teaching was an option for me, but um, I wanted more direction um, so that I could quickly learn whatever I needed to learn um, and give me a good basis to build off of. Mm-hmm. And, bef- and before we go dive deeper into the uh, bootcamp world, I think what what would be very fascinating the the reason I I thought this would be a very fun episode to do for the audience also listen to as well is the the amount of tenure you've had in your previous role in accounting and accounting and finance accounting and tax because it I find that it's relatively common to see people you know quit being a big four being big four accountant after one year and going into design and because of some, I think the feeling of just you know, some cost, some cost fallacy, quote unquote, is just not as existent at that point compared to someone who stayed in the field longer. I think there, my experience has been that there's 
there's for some reason this guideline or tipping point of the quote-unquote two-year mark where at least in consulting or even i think in finance everyone says i'll stay for two years and now decide and but from my experience in accounting i think that's more the three-year mark because it takes us about three years to get the charter the ca cpa designation so for you how how long were you in that world for uh specifically in tax well so i know you've done both um accounting and tax right so just that world in general how long were you there so um the program that i was in in school i started working as a co-op um so that so practical experience wise i um started in second year university um so from the time i actually got practical experience to when i quit um let's see so second year third year fourth year uh so six years of experience of practical experience in that world um and that's a combination of both accounting and tax Mm -hmm. um yeah so it was a pretty significant amount of time but because basically half of it was uh i obtained that experience as a student i guess really three years was the the full-time um working experience i actually had Hmm. um, before i decided to leave and pursue another career Mm -hmm. well so then what when you were leaving what um what quote-unquote title did you hold at that point oh um so at the time that i was leaving i was actually a manager um within an international tax practice Hmm. um at a medium-sized accounting firm. So I was originally at a, a, a big four accounting firm, and then I switched over to a medium-sized uh, accounting firm. Um, there are various different reasons why I had done that. Um, one of them being I, I, I kind of had a feeling that I this wasn't an area I wanted to continue in. Tax wasn't really something I wanted to continue in, but... I felt like I had already spent so much time trying to build my career in it. I wanted a little bit more perspective um, in terms of what else I could potentially learn and explore um, before I finally made the decision to leave it. Um, So, yeah, I just wanted to explore my options before Mm. I, I made the jump. So when you moved from the Bigfoot to the medium sized firm, you already implicitly had not pursuing tax as an option in the back of your mind yeah i think it was always something i thought about but of course you spend so much time like in university thinking about it and then working towards getting your designation so it it felt like i i felt like I, I had already known deep in my heart that I didn't want to do it because the work itself wasn't really all that fulfilling um, for me. Um, so I felt like I knew pretty early on, but I just, because, again, I spent so much time trying to pursue it, I felt like I needed to explore everything I could before I decided to leave. Mm-hmm. And out of your group of colleagues um people in tax do 
did they do any of them leave that field for example because i'm thinking from my experience when i was an audit audit is the more general field for most accounting students to go into and it's easy for people to leave i think easier to people to leave audit and go you know most go into being controllers or some kind of finance and planning fpna role inside just larger companies like banks and you know giant consumer packaged goods companies and but i find that taxes people f- go from accounting into tax like i think they tend to specialize deeper into it and i i've from my experience i've rarely seen people leave that field most people just stay in a big four or a medium sized accounting firm and just continue down that hole or they become super specialist and go into high net worth wealth management and they do tax for really rich people things like that so for your colleagues do you find did you see any leave or do you, did you end up just kind of going doubling down into that road yeah no i think it's uh pretty rare for anyone to leave because i mean even so the people that i worked with before i left i had spoken to um what i would say were my mentors people that i worked really closely with and um just peers around me um and i really tried to figure out uh, whether or not they they liked it, um, the work that they were doing. And majority of the responses that I received were, oh, like, it's okay, I, I can do it. And, it. and it wasn't like anyone was particularly passionate about this world of tax. I think there were probably, like, to be honest, like a handful of people that were, but majority of people, they didn't really like what they were doing. But because it brought them stable income and the hours were, I mean, de- like, I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't say it was decent, but uh, it just brought them stable income and they, and they fell deeper and deeper into it. They uh, got manager and then they stayed a little bit longer and were, they were considering leaving and then they got senior manager. And then at that point, like they felt like the money that they were making at that level, um, if they were to jump and do something else because they were already in so deep and they were so niche into the field, it would be hard for them to um, make the same level of income um, unless, you know, they were willing to take a pay cut. And I think most people were not willing to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it, it, it's pretty rare for people uh, to leave tax and pursue a different career um so yeah for me i that's why i wanted to leave as early as possible um and it wasn't in in my point of view a risky uh thing that i was doing because i knew i could always just go back there's always demand for people in tax um there's always way too much work and not enough people (laughs) so i i knew if i made this switch and i really wanted to go back i i could but it isn't really an option that i want to take right it's it's like fire insurance you never really want to have to use it yeah just buy it yeah yeah so now i just have my cpa and and it's just collecting dust (laughs) yeah it's just there if i need to really uh use it but uh, yeah i'm hoping i don't need to but i'm guessing that because you specialize and you stayed actually in in a field long enough time to be a manager i think most people take 
it takes on average, I would say at earliest five years, I think is like the fastest I've seen someone get manager. And it can take as long as even like seven to eight years, I think, for people to hit that manager title inside of the accounting firm. And so since you've left with that title, do you feel that the insurance options are just much more stable because of that compared to if you had left earlier? Yeah, I definitely think so because I, I did have at least one ex, um, one year of experience as a manager before I left. So I think I can still take away those skills that I gathered from um, not just the technical skills, but also the management and um, all those different like handling administrative tasks, multitasking, blah, 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 handling staff underneath you, handling clients. Um, I, I do have those skills. So I think having at least one year of that under my belt would, would make it a lot easier if I wanted to jump back into. Hmm. Well, I think, uh, a part that I'm more curious about, not more, but I think might be also more helpful to gain more light on is my experience just in terms of careers in general, just has been that it doesn't really matter as much what you actually know what you can do it's rather what other people think you can do right. matters more because you could be a senior or a staff who does work at a major level but if they don't see it the title no one really cares and so yeah. for you though just having the title alone has it mattered has it shown as oh this is actually working like or recruited have you had rec- recruiters like reach out to you while you're in boot camps or do you know they can go back <laughs> to any of the firms that you worked at and just get a job instantly? Yeah, I think that I do agree with that point where a lot of people put, like, I think possibly even too much weight on the title you hold. Um, but yeah, again, having that title as a manager would definitely make it a lot easier because even during boot camps, I, or even before boot camps, I was people were reaching out to me a lot on LinkedIn, um, trying to recruit me for all these different roles. And then um, even while I was in bootcamp, people were recruiting me, um, trying to get me back to going into these tax or accounting related roles. Um, so I definitely think it, it, it does help with that process. And so you you pointed out though, that when you were leaving that it you didn't feel like it was a big risk and it seemed that you know you you also had the certainty that this was not what you wanted to do, and so you want to take the jump. But can you walk me through the process? Like, what what were the what what were the challenging parts, if any, of making that decision and taking the leap into making the transition, going full time into boot camp, not knowing this world? As you said, you don't really have prior experience in design; it's a new field. What was the kind of decision and process like there? So like what I considered when I was trying to make my transition. Yeah, like what you considered as well as just what was the experience like? Can you kind of paint the picture for me? Yeah, it was honestly, so it was pretty difficult. Um, I had a pretty rough time, a rough year uh, before I had decided to quit. Um, And I think going through that definitely made me reevaluate what I was doing. Um, there was just different circumstances um, 
kind of built up and all these different factors led up to me deciding um, to quit. I always thought I would find a another role or another position at a company before I decided to actually leave. Um, so I think it really got, I, I, like last year, so that's when I, November of last year, decided to quit without having anything lined up because I felt like I really needed that time and space um, to gather my thoughts and figure out my next steps. Um, and one of the things that led me to making this decision is I spent so much time working towards something that I wasn't even really all that interested in or passionate about. So I really questioned what if, like in my head, it was what if um, I had spent all this time towards something I had actually liked. Um, and so I think I also, another breaking point for me was when I asked myself, if this was the only thing I did until retirement, so if I had stayed in tax up until retirement, would I be okay with that? And the fear <laughs> that I had from asking myself that question, I think really shook me. And that was honestly probably a really pivotal pivotal moment for me when, when I was like, oh my God, there's no way if I did this for the rest of my life until retirement, like, no, that, that would be the, the worst scenario for me. So I think that was really the defining moment when I decided like this, like I really need to make a change. And um, of course it was really scary for me to quit without having anything lined up, without any foreseeable future or path. It, it just like, all of a sudden, everything that was in front of me kind of just felt like it had vanished and I didn't know where I was going. I didn't like design. I hadn't fully decided on pursuing UX design when I left. Um, there were all these different opportunities I was trying to explore um, before I had left, but I knew like meant my mental state, I would not be able to hang on until the end of the year so I just even though I felt a lot of guilt um letting my team down because I knew the amount of work they had to do I I just it was a really tough decision um but I just felt like I had to make it because no one was going to look out for me other than myself so it, it definitely was a really tough decision coming up to that um and um, the process, so after I quit in November, um, went on vacation, and then when I got back, it was Christmas parties and New Year's parties, and then January hit, and that's when things started slowing down, and I'm like, what the heck am I doing? I just quit my job. I just started applying to jobs because I felt like I had to do it, and I, I felt like I had to do something. So I was applying to these jobs, doing these, like getting these interviews. And at first 
was it like business jobs again or what, what kind of jobs yeah so i was applying to customer success roles um because i felt like that would be the easiest transition i knew i didn't want to do accounting or tax so i didn't apply to any of those jobs so i was trying to say like see what other um transferable skills i could have um so that i could get job as quick as possible while still utilizing the skills that I felt like I had obtained. So a lot of like client service skills and, and I felt like that would be really applicable for the customer success roles. Um, and I wanted a, a complete change in environment. So I was applying to a lot of startups because I've, I've worked at large corporations for so long. I kind of knew what that was like and I wanted to explore something that was very different from um, what I was used to. So I was applying to customer success roles and um, getting interviews for places that I didn't really care too much about, but um, I was just doing it because I felt like I had to get back into the groove um, of practicing my job interview skills. And there was one particular um, startup where I went into the fourth round of um, interviews. And by this time it was February and uh, I don't know, I, I ended up giving them a call before I was supposed to have my fourth interview. And I just told them, like, I don't want to waste your time. Like, this is, I don't think this is what I want to do. Um, let's just, um, let's just, I guess, end it here for now, because I know your resources are valuable. And so are mine. Um, and, and that person, he he was great because he was like, oh, I really thought this was going somewhere and I'm kind of disappointed. But if you change your mind and you want to um, talk again in three to six months, then feel free to reach out to me. So I felt like I, I had a lot, like still had a lot of options. But um, at that point, I think him saying that to me made me feel uh, a lot more comfortable that, okay, even if I don't do an accounting or tax role, I can still find a role in a different uh, career path, I guess. Um, so, so then I decided to take a bit more time to think about what my next steps are. And then I always found myself going back to UX design and it was something that was really fascinating to me. So um, I just decided to just jump right into the bootcamp um, just so I could stream on everything. And, and, and if it didn't work out, if I had done the bootcamp and it wasn't something I was actually interested in, yeah, I lost $10,000, but at least I spared myself some time because if I was self-teaching myself, it could have taken me like over a year mm -hmm. or something to, um, to get into the actual field. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a good point that you make because I think a lot of people, I, I tell my friends about this a lot of times about how money is just a tool and i find it's just a tool to really buy time as it's really what it is right people use money i buy clothes because i don't want to spend my time learning how to make clothes and make it myself so mm -hmm. then that's why i pay people mm -hmm. i go to a restaurant because i don't want to learn how to cook and make that fancy meal so i pay someone for that for their time of learning all that and using that ten thousand dollars to buy yourself a year's worth of self-teaching I think, yeah, that's definitely like a great use of time that I hope more people think about in that context in terms of how you can use money instead of that absolute terms of, oh, it's $10,000. Right. It took me X amount of hours to make that money. But what is that going to be used for? 
And right. I think that's the return on investment mindset that I think doesn't hit upon people very quickly or sometimes as a first thought. It, it I think, needs to be thought about a little more for some people to maybe hit upon that. For for you, though, um, there are a couple of follow-up questions I, I had in mind as you were telling me your story, <laughs> but I, I might have lost one of them. Um, I'm trying to think. What was it? Oh, when when you called back and told them that oh you're not going to do the interview the fourth time anymore, that's I think that's a that's a very mature and respectable move you made because I don't know of many people who when they're progressing through interviews to actually have the mental maturity to kind of take a step back, evaluate it, and say oh yeah I'm going to be respectful and because I don't think I'm gonna take it even if i get the offer i'm just gonna call them and let them know that because most most people i know will go through the full process get the offer and try to hack not haggle but negotiate let's say quote unquote and try to get a lot of money somehow and if they get that money they'll somehow find a way to validate that and take the job i've, I've known plenty of people who've mm-hmm. done that mm-hmm. plenty of consultant friends friends like especially like consulting will go into other consulting firms and be like, yeah, like I don't even like what I do, but I'm going to just do this interview, get the full round and get the offer and just see if they're going to pay me 20, 30% more and then just maybe take it or maybe not. But they go through with it. Why, why did you call and decide not to go through with it? And kind of as a follow-up as well, like what was it that made you have the confidence to say, ah, oh, this isn't it. I want to hold out and look at something else. Um, I guess, so, at that point, I felt like I had made such a significant change. I had already made the jump of quitting my job to find something that I liked. And as I was going through the interview process, it I don't know, I, just at the back of my mind, I felt like U, UX was just something I still wanted to pursue. And so I didn't want to just take this job just for the sake of having income, a stable income so that I wouldn't have to worry about it. Um, I just felt like if I had already committed to looking for something that I wanted to do, I need to go full into it. So I wanted to also be respectful of other people's time as well um and that's one like that's why i'd called them and said hey like i don't want to waste your time let's um let's not continue on with this but at the same time i still wanted to keep like having good relationships is um a, a pretty key role for me like because i mean my mom's like growing up my mom's always said you never know um when you might need help from another person so always make sure you maintain your relationships and 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 make sure you try and step in their shoes and and like if i was in their shoes i would have wanted that person to um let me know if they actually weren't serious about considering it um because i like i know for it's hard the startup they don't have the most resources in the world they're not like a large company so every bit of time and every bit of money that they have really counts for them and i don't know i just didn't want to be that person that was just taking the job just to 
have income for myself and just do like it, it wasn't like I would do a subpar job even though I didn't care about it but I don't know I just don't want to waste my time or their time mm-hmm. yeah and this this constant curiosity interest in UX UI like product design as a field how did it start and how did it continue growing was because you said it was never really an interest like you weren't in this kind of artistic creative mindset growing up that wasn't really even much of a consideration it seems how did it all kind of begin and really pick up flame as something serious enough for you to invest time and money into pursuing yeah that's a a good question so actually um i myself didn't realize so i think when you kind of assess your own strengths and weaknesses you never really can assess it properly and objectively so um someone around me uh had actually told me um that this would be a career that i could potentially be really great at or something that i'd at least be interested in um and so that's when i started looking into it and um he had a friend that was already in the field already so um i could like just talk to him and ask him questions about the field itself so it was to be honest um like having someone around me that knew me well um and introducing me to the field really helped me um even just discover this world of ux because i feel like it's still it's it's like a new and up and coming thing it's not even a really big thing i I feel like it's been kind of floating around but there's been different names for it like web design and things like that but it isn't actually um fully the same as ux i guess but yeah just having someone around me that really knew me well um, kind of opened opened my eyes to what uh other potential areas i could look into mm-hmm. and but after you i guess like learn about it i guess it, did it just click as obvious like how how could you t- how can you tell like how do you know it's this is the thing or does it just does it just continuously nag at you as this is a thing to look into yeah it was so i don't know i feel like i have growing up i had this <laughs> um like ability in me to keep hacking at things even when i really didn't like it so even if i wasn't fully interested in something i could just put a lot of effort and time into it because i was told if you were good in math or like sciences or whatever um then you'd be successful and so like i never really explored any of my creative abilities and i never thought of myself as a very creative person um and and so i never really the idea of going into a field that was design related was never a possibility for me or or like i mean it's it felt like it was really hard to make money in something like that so um growing up i always felt like i had to find a very stable career and being the oldest in my family i felt like i had the responsibility of taking on um like helping out with my family and getting a stable career and by having a stable career it it felt like i was able to um 
become a good role model for my younger siblings. And so, um, I forgot what your question was. My my question was, um, it was on how do you, how did you know like this was something to oh, look into? Right. Okay. So I was getting to, um, but then I ended up forgetting what I was trying to make a point about. Um, so. So once I found out about this whole design world, I just felt myself being really drawn to it. And I'd go out with some friends at night and it'd be like one, like midnight or 1am by the time I got back. And I still found myself going on um, like online and searching up things related to design because it was so interesting to me. And it, it was so different from what I was used to. So I think that that really intrigued, piqued my interest. And yeah, it was just something that I kept going back to. And that's kind of, I just kind of um, held on to that and just decided to make that transition. Hmm. And so then as you're going through the boot camp, like what, what were your expectations of the boot camp going into it? And what how how had that changed if um, at all yeah so i i had actually considered i went to some info sessions for the boot camp before i had even quit my full-time job um but at the time i i didn't i didn't feel like i would get enough out of it simply because I guess I had this like um, predisposition where I mean, this is a boot camp. It's not an actual university. How reliable um, can it be? And it, like, I'm getting a certificate. Like, that sounds pretty pathetic to me. So uh, I was really hesitant, and also I didn't really know the caliber of people that I would be surrounding. It sounds really bad, but I didn't know the caliber of people that I would be surrounding myself with and the pe- like the caliber of the people that were actually teaching me like how do I know they actually knew their stuff and it just because it wasn't a super established institution and I just felt like I was ve- I was very skeptical um, and even the people that were participating in these uh, like boot camps or or yeah, going through these boot camps, I didn't feel like they ha- they were of the same caliber I was used to because, you know, going to a university, um, especially at a very competitive program, there's a certain, like, standard of people that I'm used to being around. And these people were definitely not at that level. Um, I mean, just to, get, like, give an example of some of the people that were in my class, um, I don't know, some, someone came from, uh, like, the film industry, um, and another person came from, uh, like, some sort of arts degree from OCAD, and so it was like, and some people came from, like, a college, um, so it was definitely, like, a hodgepodge of different types of people with different types of experiences, um, that were going into these boot camps. So I, I, I don't know. I think I was just very skeptical of of whether or not I would actually learn anything or take anything valuable away from it. Um, and 
like that price tag that was behind it was really making it difficult as well Mm -hmm. and you know i think i don't know if i really need to defend that uh perspective because i think that's a very fair perspective but just in case maybe the audience um members might like misunderstand or anything but i i can totally relate because yeah i think it's very fair to say that there is a certain caliber of people that you expect like i you know i went to a very competitive program i i was in the world of you know the top companies in accounting consulting and investing and it's it's true that if you like i've never been in the bottom 80 percent of anything i've ever done yeah and so you kind of expect that right like high school of course you're all gonna have straight a's it's it's a given you go to university of course you're gonna be dean's honor this it's a given it's like that's just what i've always been used to and Mm -hmm. that's what i expect Mm -hmm. from people that i work with and like i've you you work in the big four i've had bosses where like managers senior managers who yeah like i see them make like staffs cry because they can't handle the amount of questioning and um, I guess kind of drilling in that mm-hmm. these smart people will do and I'll talk to the manager and I'll tell them you know we'll chat about hey man did you really have to make her cry and he'll, mm-hmm. he'll straight up tell me well she was incompetent mm-hmm. she's not smart enough to get mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. and yeah like, that's the kind of if you're, if you're coming from that kind of world which mm-hmm. I can totally relate with you you expect a certain level and obviously I'm not I know, I know you're not implying this either and I'm not saying that people who go through film or anything is not as smart yeah, but they don't have I don't think they have gone through the similar kind of hurdles that people like you and I have gone through in to go through this kind of world. Mm-hmm. Sure, there's different hurdles in film. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's a way harder world to be successful in yeah. than yeah, for sure. business. I think yeah. if you're actually successful in like the film industry, then you are way up there. Like I, I can't even imagine the kind of shit you got to go through to, yeah. to be number one in that. But that's a boom bust kind of industry. Whereas for us, it's just constantly grinding and you just got to be above the like the top 20 percent at like certain things and you can just make it into like a certain level but obviously there's no big win in this kind of world because of that but yeah i think that's a that's a very valid point because i think that's there's a lot of skepticism around that for sure and i think the i wasn't really even aware of it until when i saw colleagues in the accounting world or consulting world exit so when we say exit quote-unquote it's when you leave the professional service world this ivory tower of all these type a ultra competitive people and then you enter industry which we call like banks consumer packaged goods companies those kind of large behemoths and then you find you're working with people who are not used to that level where um, i think i've i've had one time when even i was talking to a startup and this person i think i think she was in like hr or something um or operations was telling me oh like you don't you don't understand how hard we work in startups like it's not like a nine to five you know sometimes you have to stay till like 8 p.m and in the back of my mind i was thinking you have no idea how hard accounts work like i'm going through 100 hour work weeks it's easy like you go through 120 hour work weeks then it's hard and but it's different right they don't know our world you don't know their world and i think though i didn't realize that kind of that there was a different world out there until my friends started exiting mm-hmm. and they're telling me and they complain about, I can't believe this person went home at five. I yeah. expect them to like stay until 10 p.m. to finish this. What do you mean you'll give it to me tomorrow? Yeah, That doesn't exist in the kind of world that we're from. And I think yeah. I think that's definitely funny because 
you've just left that world and now you're kind of thinking about yeah exactly kind of hypocrite yeah right like but, <laughs> but like you're imposing your kind of standards from right. that world onto this transition point and so when so you had that perspective from boot camps but you still decided to do it yeah it seems and yeah. has it has it changed after you came out of the boot camp like what was it like actually going through it though um i definitely think me going into the boot camp um there are pros and cons to it of course um so i mean i just mentioned how i was worried about going into boot camp because i was like i don't know what the caliber of people um that are going to be in there like for me i i feel like i'm a pretty ambitious person so um like i think just when i met all these people from all these different backgrounds it really opened up my perspective um in terms of what else there is in the world because i was like i said surrounded with the same type or similar type of people i was always um, around people that were in accounting or some sort of business or finance role um and then their friends that i met were also in a similar thing some sort of business role and so i think going into this boot camp um and meeting people from all these different careers um like interior design again like film and um like marketing and being a makeup a freelance makeup and hairstylist that definitely opened up my perspective on the world and how it's there's a lot of different valuable things that each person can bring to the table um so like for me i felt like my strengths were in like i don't know um numbers or or like analytics and stuff like that and other people were a lot stronger in the more creative side like the arts and things like that so uh, i felt like my perspective on measuring um people's abilities change because there are of course different scales some people are smarter when it comes to um or not smarter but like a lot better when it turns it comes to something that's creative for me that was really difficult and i felt like i really took um that perspective away from um from this boot camp um and it it definitely allowed me to interact more uh with other people that were also trying to go through a similar transition because almost everyone in this boot camp was doing a second career transition and so it it helped uh i think with that process for me transitioning from like something that was so different into this whole design career so the collaborative aspect of it was very valuable as well um but sometimes like because the curriculum itself at the boot camps weren't um very standardized they were very flexible so they would ask us for feedback and tweak the program based on the feedback that we would give them so that made me feel almost uneasy about it at times because i was like does that mean like do they know what they're doing or are they just 
changing things up as they go and are we just like a bunch of test bunnies or test like lab rats for them um so so there definitely are pros and cons um a lot of the times the theoretical stuff that they would teach me it, it seemed very common sense um can you can you name for examples like um let me think i don't know just certain psychological like i have a, an interest in psychology so maybe it was it was obvious to me but might not necessarily be obvious to others so like certain psychological like behaviors that we would uh pay more attention to in some like in a particular uh lesson uh, i was like i already i felt like i already knew all this stuff and it just felt like a waste of time for me and and i had taught myself sketch and all these different uh softwares within design itself so like i felt like the research i had previously done was being covered again in school so it i mean might not it just felt like it didn't give me as much value as it could have um but what i really liked is just being able to collaborate and actually work on projects um and having that like application part of it and working with other designers because if i had self taught myself i wouldn't have been able to it would or it would have been a lot harder for me to work with other designers um to come up with these different case studies and, and things like that to add my, to my portfolio. So I definitely think there are pros and cons to, to doing the bootcamp. Um, would I go back? Right now, they, the bootcamp that I had done, they raised the price to $12,000. And I don't know, that just that additional $2,000. I don't know, it, it, it would make my decision even harder, I think, especially knowing what I know now. And I think there's a presumption that once you do the bootcamp that, you know, jobs are going to fly your way. And right. like, that's what they're supposed to do, right? The, yeah. the, the point is to speed your way into doing a career transition. Yeah. But has that been the case for your your colleagues? Like, you're currently working in the UX design field yeah. right now, but what about the rest of them? Like, what's the percentage like from what you know? Uh, so when I got a job, so... Before I had graduated my program, a lot of the people that I was speaking to who were alumni were essentially saying, yeah, it takes around three to six months for you to find a job. And so I was prepared. I was like, okay, it's going to take me six months so that I had some sort of expectation um, before I actually found a job. Um, so I finished the program in June, uh, late June, and then I spent a month just working on my portfolio and then I didn't start applying until really like late into that uh one month mark after graduation so to end of July August yeah so end of July August ish and then I got pretty lucky uh because I was doing a portfolio review at school and it turns out they were um also they also had an opening so I had interviewed for the job without really realizing that I was interviewing for it. Um, so I had gotten pretty lucky and I was only really the second person in my class of uh, 10 other people um, to get a job. So 12 right total? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, 11. 
11. Yeah, 11 people. Um, because 10 and uh, 10 other people, including myself. So oh, 11. I see. Yeah. Um, and then I think since then, two more people have found a job. So I think four people, but now we're how many months out now? So July, August, but, September. Yeah, we're recording this the first of October. Yeah, so three or four months out. Uh, not even half of us have found a job. So I think, I mean, they still, they said the cutoff was around like six months, so they still have some time. But um, talking to some of my other classmates, they have been, you know, telling me about the struggle of actually finding a job because most people are looking for senior designers. There's a lot of jobs out there for senior designers, but but if you're a junior, they're not like it's really tough to look for a position as a junior because everyone wants senior designers, but you can't really get to that point without having the initial experience. So it's for them, it's been really tough. And I know they've been getting pretty discouraged because either they've been getting rejections or just not been getting any replies at all. And, and I think after you go through that several times, it gets, I don't know, pretty discouraging. I remember I was talking to one of my friends and she's like, I've run out of jobs to apply to. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's definitely been pretty tough. And even the, so the class before mine, the cohort before mine, um, I think a lot of them are still looking for jobs. Maybe perhaps like half of them are still looking for jobs. So I don't know. It's it's pretty tough. Do do you find that like you mentioned how in the bootcamp you you know you were skeptical because of the caliber of people that would yeah. be in the bootcamp, and then you mentioned how the, the everyone comes from different backgrounds. But you know, I'm obviously biased, but I think people who come from professional service backgrounds have a certain kind of work ethic and just the ability to grind through things and you know we're just trained in a certain way right right and so i'm wondering did or did it ever come about where your background was actually very material in getting interviews or actually getting this particular job like did it kind Mm -hmm. of shine out as a differentiator in while you're in the boot camp or while you're in the job search yeah it's funny that you asked that because that that it it actually did have a material impact. So the two uh, paying jobs that I got from design. So the first one came about when I was still in the program. And basically someone connected uh, with me through LinkedIn because they were looking for a UX designer. And when I spoke to him on the phone, he was like, hey, uh, the reason why I connected with you because I saw you had a CPA background. And I just thought it was really cool how you were transitioning from CPA. And I think, like, he was essentially alluding to the fact that it seemed like I was more reliable than perhaps other freelance UX designers out there because I had a professional designation. Because he himself, he was a lawyer. Um, So I don't know if that had... it, It seemed like it did have an impact on him reaching out to me. And so that was my first freelance gig um, that I uh, completed basically right after, like immediately after I finished my, um, my, my, my boot camp. So that was one instance where my background really did have an impact. And then this current job that I have, so they made it pretty obvious um, or explicit that 
one of the reasons why they're considering me is because basically this company really values um, the people itself. They don't really necessarily look at your current experience. Um, and so they, they actually hire a lot of people that had come from different backgrounds. So for example, um, there's been a couple of people on the development team who basically have come from completely different backgrounds. One guy was a nuclear engineer, had no coding or like any sort of background like that, but they hired him and they're basically teaching, paying him to learn code at the moment. Um, there's another guy, he is, so he was basically doing cancer research and now he's on the dev team and, and he had not known any code um, before he really, like, I think he started learning a little bit, but they really value uh, the, the person and what they can bring to the table over what existing skills they have. So I think having a specific background definitely did help me in my specific case in terms of landing the opportunities that I did um, when it came to starting in this new career. Mm. And I can't believe I, we didn't cover this, but I think um, if, if we were to, you know, because this is still an anonymous podcast and so you don't have to tell us your company name, but how would you, I guess, like, if you were to segmentize the company, is, like, as a startup, what round of funding would you say you guys are at, like, C, Series A, how many yeah. people are there? Um, so my, my company right now is a startup. Um, they uh, got received seed funding, but they're in the process of raising Series A uh, funding at the moment. Gotcha. Yeah, so there's around 30 of us. How, how many people in the uh, design team that you're currently working on? Um, so there's, uh, including myself, five people. Gotcha. Yeah. And right now, like, then, you know, you've, you're one of the success cases. You've done the boot camp. You're in the job um, that you wanted to. And I'm going to guess that you're enjoying it. I'm going to guess that yeah. you're happier than yeah. you were in tax. Oh, for sure. Like the fact that I'm being paid to do something that I actually like, <sighs> I didn't think that was a possibility. I don't know. It just always seemed like you had to hate your job or, or even if you didn't hate your job, it was just something you like just did <laughs> just to pay the bills. And yeah, of course, everyone's like, oh, um, like it would be wonderful for me to like get a job where I can get paid to do what I want. But I feel like that's, so rare that is so rare most people are either just okay with what they're doing um or they completely hate it and they complain about it and i felt like because i was in this whole accounting slash tax world it felt like a normal thing for me and everyone was either hating their jobs and like completely miserable with their lives or they were just like yeah like i don't know it pays the bills like i have a family i need to feed and so it just seemed normal to me. So the fact that I'm being paid to do something I'm actually interested in, it's like, it's mind blowing. And I, I have absolutely no regrets in making this transition <laughs> at all. I mean, it's still pretty early on, but yeah, I'm pretty happy right now with, with where I am. Yeah, that's awesome. It's yeah. awesome to hear. And I mean, like, then I'm going to guess that you're 
your classmates or colleagues when they see what you do they they must want they must be curious or they must have i don't know maybe some regret not jumping like what yeah. what do you what do you find it has been very like the common case where like people i don't know maybe they'll say things like oh i wish i could do what you do but they don't or yeah. that's happened so many times um over and over again i mean at the time when i so last year i was basically in the same position as a lot of my friends um they were really miserable with what they were doing at work like mis like actually miserable um are they were they all in accounting as well yeah then? yeah yeah um accounting slash tax um and then also like yeah yeah a pretty high like accounting job sorry i was just going through all the different people and i was like yeah accounting yeah accounting um so at the time when i was considering leaving we were basically and this is these are conversations that i've had with separate people it's not like we meet up in a group and we're like yeah like we're so miserable blah 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 it's like i've met up with some uh, one friend and she's like i hate my job right now i want to quit and another friend would basically ascend, go through the same things at the time i was talking to three or four different people and they're going through the exact same thing um one person took a leave of absence at the same time i quit my job and so i was really excited for her too because i was like yes we can figure this out together what we're going to do in terms of our next careers because we knew like she also didn't want to do anything accounting related as well um so unfortunately she ended up just going back to the same job when her leave of absence ended um but she's still equally as miserable so all of my other friends like the other three people that i've been talking to basically have just stayed they haven't done anything to make any change oh actually well one person jumped from a public accounting uh place to industry um but it's still tax related so i mean i guess she kind of made a change now she kind of has a nine to five job but she still is not really interested in the work um itself so a lot of people do say they want to change their careers because they they hate what they're doing but no one has really committed to actually changing it what do you think is the differentiating factor um i think so one of the things that really helped me was the like people that i have that are surrounding me so um having someone that fully supports you and encourages you to make that change um just having even just one person around you that that gives you that support i think really helped push me to take control of my life and say yeah no i life is short i can't i don't want to be miserable for the rest of my life um so just having that one person really i think uh can make a significant difference and for them like they i don't think they have anyone around them that really pushes them and and 
and challenges them. So I think that's probably maybe like the main reason why they haven't made that jump. So, so three of them was like a partner that you have? Yeah, yeah. So just because that person is someone I really confide in, um, it it definitely gave me the strength to say, okay, yeah, it's. I think it's okay if I decide to completely change my career. Mm-hmm. And do you like? How do you advise people when they come and they tell you, oh, I want, I want, I want to do what you're doing. I want to, I want to quit. I want to have the strength to quit. Yeah. And I want to do a boot camp. Or should I do a boot camp? Like, what, what do you say to people nowadays? I tell them to do it. Like, I tell, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like. I have really tried to convince them and sometimes tried to even help figure out what they want to do. I mean, um, I don't know if I'm necessarily like the best person in terms of assessing what they're great at because um, I feel like for me, my part, because I spent so much time with my partner, um, he was able to tell me exactly what I was looking for because he kind of, I feel like he knows me better than I know myself. Um, so like I try to help my friends figure out what they want and I try to give them some suggestions and some sort of direction in terms of what they can look into. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's like, it's really up to them to really commit and do that. And they just, I guess, haven't had the confidence or the drive to actually make that change. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully, hopefully people, other people who maybe listen to this can think about that and yeah. maybe they'll they'll get inspired somehow to yeah. see yourself as a case that worked. Right. And and I was also hoping that I don't know, by me making this change and doing it somewhat successfully, that it could set a good example for them so that they could they themselves could make a similar transition into something that they were really interested in but i don't know i guess i think too highly of myself i don't have that much influence in their lives so they haven't really changed they'll say like oh yeah that's great congratulations i wish i could do that but i don't know they just haven't committed to it maybe they just need time yeah they might need time i've had friends um some they they make changes after years yeah after i'm not saying i'm i'm the person that in sparks it but like after i've had conversations with them about changing or doing something for themselves sometimes it takes years for them to i think take the leap sometimes it's faster yeah but yeah i think everyone's at a different pace but regardless thanks so much for coming on the podcast to share your story with myself and the audience i hope they definitely got a lot out of it i enjoyed having this conversation and i hope you did as well yeah no problem I, i had a lot of fun Uh, talking about myself (laughs) Um, thanks so much for having me i hope um the user uh the listeners um users i'm such a ux design person um really got something out of this um and honestly for anyone that's listening right now and is considering a career change i know it's pretty scary um and i know just up and quitting your job without having anything lined up is probably like maybe not the best thing to do. But at the time for me, in my case, it, it felt like the right thing to do. And I encourage anyone to just make that leap um, and just do it. Honestly, like if you make 
make sure you keep your connections at your old position. I'm sure um, they'll be more than happy to have you back. So setting that safety net for yourself so that you can make the leap, like, honestly, just go and do it because life's too short to keep doing something you hate. So Awesome. That's a good place to end it off. (laughs) All right. Take care. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope the story was inspiring to you. It Hopefully it also helped you expand your perspectives. Hopefully it also made you question the default path that you might have been going on or the default beliefs you might have had. And maybe now it'll make you even think about doing something about it, doing something different maybe, challenging yourself, being courageous. Who knows? But regardless, I'm really happy that you took some time out of your day to listen to this fantastic story with my guest. And if you would like to somehow, in some way, contribute and help support the podcast and maybe even just be part of the community that I'm trying to build with the greater OMD Ventures platform, really think about being a stakeholder in the platform. And the quick way to do that is to go to my website, oldmandan.com, and go to the stakeholders page. I believe it's oldmandan.com slash stakeholder. And the link is also down below. And that's how you can figure out how you can subscribe, follow to get more updates on the free content, but at the same time also donate and donate by actually just buying me a coffee. That's just how I put it. And you can buy me a coffee a month, coffee a week, or coffee every day of the year. And think about it as the way that, you know, if you wanted to chat with me, you might just bring me out for coffee and buy me a coffee. Or if you wanted to bring one of my guests out to chat, you might buy them a coffee. So I'm just think of it as I'm the service that's doing that for you. So you can just pay me in coffees <laughs> don't worry uh everything will still be free it's just it would just really help if you would like to show your support this way so that i can use the coffee money to buy myself actual coffees and also to buy my guests actual coffees at and use the leftover money to actually grow the platform as well as even keep it operationally alive as well because it all this isn't really free and it does take a lot of time to build it as well as operate it and hopefully grow it further so your support would be amazing if you would like to contribute and so yeah just check out the website go to the stakeholders page and read the different kind of benefits you might even get as a stakeholder all right thank you